the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Um, I'm going to have kind of a... uh, a show that's going to be uh, maybe a little bit all over the place today. Uh, Some questions and comments and maybe a little bit of analysis of uh, some of the court petitions I've been doing recently. And uh, I first of all want to let you all know that I do have my estate planning workshop coming back after a a couple of month hiatus. Um, I have it scheduled for Saturday morning, December 4th. From 9 o'clock till about 10.30 or so, that's Saturday, December 4th. It'll be at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue near Lee Avenue in San Jose. Um, I have uh, opened up registration now. Uh, So far, I have one person who's registered. I'd like to have a, a lot more people show up. Here's your opportunity to come and find out about estate planning. And, uh, actually learn about some of the issues in estate planning and maybe how those issues um, may or may not be important to you. I follow a very unique approach in this workshop. It's uh, less presentational and more interactive with uh, the members of the audience. And uh, by the end of the workshop, you will have gone through um, planning priorities And you may have a better sense of just what it is that you need to consider in the area of estate planning and what might be important for you and for your family. You can register for this workshop, which is free, by the way, by going to Eventbrite, that's eventbrite dot com, and search for Estate Planning Workshop on December 4th, and you can register that way. Or you can go through my, um, through my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, and look for the, uh, the, uh, the link to workshops and seminars, or seminars and workshops. Can't remember exactly which way I have it on the website. And there you will see a description of the workshop, and a button that you can click on that will take you to Eventbrite so that you can register. I've opened up the registration so you can register for multiple family and friends with one registration. All you need to do is let me know how many people you want to have coming 
on that ticket. I do have a, an absolute limit right now of 30 to attend this workshop. So um, it's coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, probably there will be some space if you wanted to just stop by the day of. But I cannot guarantee that uh, because uh, sometimes these workshops of mine uh, get very heavily subscribed in the last week or so before they go up. And uh, it is possible that I will run out of space if you wait until the day of the workshop. But again, the workshop is free. I heartily recommend it. Those who attended my workshops earlier this year found it very useful and uh, very informative. A number of them uh, went on to become clients of mine. So there's always a risk that uh, if you uh, actually come to the workshop that you will end up uh, coming in and seeing me and becoming a client of my firm. So uh, just to be aware of that, uh, that could very well happen. Okay, I'm going to dive in now with questions and comments from around the state of California. And I'm going to start as my first one here, which might very well take the remainder of this first segment today. This comes out of Los Angeles. And uh, just recently, it looks like just actually last evening, this was posted. Suppose I was never notified by a trustee of a settlor's death or change of trustee or provided notice of the time to contest a trust. Okay, I knew the settlor, that's the creator of the trust, died, but did not know about the rule that I had to contest the trust within 120 days of notice. I thought the trustee was required to send notice. But if she doesn't send it, does that mean I can never contest the trust? Let's address this. The notice that's being referred to is probate code section 16061.7. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz on this. And what this probate code section does is it requires the trustee of a trust to give notice to all of the beneficiaries of the trust on the occurrence of certain things. For example, um, if there is a change of trustee of the trust, you're required to give notice to the beneficiaries of that change. If there is a, uh, if a trust becomes irrevocable, which is typically the case when the owner of the trust dies, then you're required to give uh, notice to the beneficiaries and a copy of the terms of the trust. That notice will typically provide a time period during which you can contest the trust, and after the expiration of that time period, then uh, you no longer have the right to go to court and fight about things. Here's the kicker. If you never receive the notice and you're entitled to the notice then that statutory time limit never starts running. Which means if you never got notice, there is no statutory time limit running, cutting off your ability to fight or contest the trust. In this case, this person said they called one attorney who said that since the trustee's already distributing 
it would be a very complicated case and discourage this person. Um, it says it seems somewhat unfair. Well, it is unfair. If you were never given the requisite notice, then that means you were never given uh, you, your right to contest the trust has not run out. In fact, until that notice is given and uh, 60 minutes or excuse me, 60 uh, and like for 60 days after the time you're actually provided that notice in the terms of the trust, uh, it could be as long as 180 days, um, you still have the right to fight about it. So this person does have the right to contest what's going on and even stop what's going on. The question becomes, does the person want to spend the time and money and effort to do that? Uh, and that's actually the big question. I think that's why an, another attorney this person talked with was uh, discouraging them from going forward. Because, yes, it would basically stop everything in its tracks and it would cause everything uh, to uh, kind of be um, tied up in uh, in the uh, court system. Okay. So we're coming up on the end of our first segment today. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Um, and later in the show, I will likely open up the phone lines uh, so if you'd like to call in and ask me a question on the air, that would be perfectly fine. I enjoy doing that, as long as it's a question about estate planning. So uh, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and we'll be back after this first break, and I uh, hope you'll stay tuned for more Plan Your Estate Radio. It's Attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And we'll take one now out of Anaheim. And uh, here's what the person was asking. A uh, little background. I have a trust created prior to 2010 and made two amendments since then, the last being in 2020. I'm now being told that because the trust was created prior to 2010, there have been significant changes to the law that require the trust to be restated. Is this true? If true, can't I just create another amendment? Well, without actually looking at the trust created prior to 2010, what that suggests to me is that it was a uh, trust for a married couple and that it actually was a trust that mandated or required that on the death of the first spouse that the property be divided into two or more new trusts. Uh, this type of estate plan back in the day was typically called an AB or an ABC marital trust. 
And basically, it was designed to deal with the estate tax, what we sometimes call the death tax, because it applies if you have a large enough estate when you die, uh, your um, estate may very well owe federal estate tax to the government, uh, which is um, can be a very hefty tax if you have a very large estate. Trust like this created back in the day were designed to take the exclusion from the estate tax, uh, a dollar amount that was excluded from estate taxation, um, and that would be the dollar amount that was the share of the first spouse to die, and take that dollar amount of assets of the couple and put it into the B-Trust, the B-Trust, which nowadays we call uh, the Credit Shelter Trust, the Exemption Equivalent Trust, the Bypass Trust, a lot of different names for it. But the purpose of that trust was to use the exclusion of the first spouse to die and put assets in there so that when the second spouse died, that property in the B-Trust was not part of the surviving spouse's taxable estate and was not subject, therefore, to federal estate tax. And that means not just the property put in there, but any growth in the value of that property over the lifetime of the surviving spouse. So that was probably the most common type of estate plan done for married couples back in the 80s and 90s and in the uh, uh, early 2000s as well. It certainly was the most common one that I did for my clients here in the Bay Area uh, because uh, if people owned real estate here in the Bay Area, back when we had low federal estate tax exclusion amounts on the order of $600,000, $650,000, eventually maybe a million dollars, a lot of people had houses that just houses by themselves were worth more than that. Or you'd take their house and add in their life insurance and their investment accounts and bank accounts and their IRAs and 401k plans. And and it wasn't hard for a married couple to have a, uh, a million dollar estate or one and a half million dollar estate. And doing that type of planning often made sense because you would not want to have the uh, the person first spouse pass away, leave everything to the second spouse. Then the second spouse passes away and the family ends up paying estate tax on everything above the second spouse's exemption. Um, for example, if the exemption was a million, but now it was a one and a half million dollar estate, well, that, quote, extra half a million dollars under current law would have been taxed at 40 percent. That's a $200,000 mistake in estate planning. However, those trusts were drafted before the federal estate tax exclusion amounts shot up to uh, $3 million, $3.5 million, $5 million, uh, now over $11.7 million for the next few years anyway. It's going to go up a little bit more every year. But the other thing that did not exist back then was a tool called 
portability. Portability. The concept of portability says that if I'm the surviving spouse, I can actually file an estate tax return, Form 706, with the IRS and tell them that I want to preserve any unused exclusion amount that belonged to my spouse, Uh, meaning all the property could come to me, but then the half of the property or more that belonged to my spouse, I could preserve the value of that so that when I die later on, my family could actually use that value to offset uh, estate tax on uh, any value in my own estate when I died that was more than my exclusion at the time. I know that sounds complex. It actually is pretty complex, but it was a tool that was not available back uh, before 2010 and has really only been available in much more recent years than 2010. And because of that, it means that um, a lot of the reasons for doing the mandatory division of the estate for estate tax purposes uh, don't exist for most families anymore. That being said, because it was drawn up before 2010, it should at least have a serious review and discussion uh, with the couple to determine whether or not that plan is still appropriate for them and for their needs and the needs of their family. Because your needs uh, may change over time, not just the law changes, but your own needs may change over time. And um, I suggest that people consider having their estate plan reviewed every three to five years anyway, even if they don't think anything has changed, because there may be new investment opportunities that have come up that uh, that you could actually work with in the estate plan. There may be new planning options that, that exist that didn't really exist before. So it's the kind of thing where I do suggest to people, have your plan review. I'm happy to review any plan that you have out there. If you wanted to go to my website at lawbob.com, click on book a call and indicate it's an estate planning consultation. Uh, it can be done by phone, by Zoom, or in person in my office. And I'll be happy to take a look at your existing trust and give you feedback on whether or not I believe that it should be, um, maybe should be restated or updated. So we're heading to the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, we'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. And we're going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. If you're just joining the show for the first time, I'm estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. I practice in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Um, I've actually been practicing as an attorney since uh, December of 1980. So I'm coming up on my 41st year of practice. Um, There's times it feels like I've been practicing 100 years, and there's other times it feels like I just started practicing. But um, 
I've been doing this a long time, as I tell people. Um, uh, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been doing estate planning for about 30, uh, uh, since 1981 is when I actually started doing estate planning. I've been doing that pretty much continuously since that time, except for uh, a couple of years when I went inactive as an attorney and worked as a business development officer and vice president of Comerica Bank. That's not an endorsement or a plug. Uh, I actually was working out uh, doing business development for their institutional trust department. I uh, did that for about two and a half years and then came back into the practice of law and uh, reopened my estate planning firm, uh, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman here in San Jose. So in this segment, uh, I'm going to cover a few more of the questions and comments I've seen from around the state of California. And uh, hopefully you will hear something that may be beneficial or useful to you in some way, uh, maybe with a situation that you are facing right now. And uh, and if so, uh, I may be able to assist. I can't assist in everything. For example, I don't really do estate and trust litigation, probate litigation. I don't go into court and fight with people. I'm not really set up for that. I don't have the staff for that. And I also don't have the inclination to do litigation anymore. I have done litigation in the past and other areas of law. Uh, never done litigation in estate planning, and I don't intend to start anytime soon. Okay, out of Los Angeles, a uh, person says, My father passed away suddenly without a will, and as the next of kin, I'm seeking legal representation and guidance as the next steps. Assets have been identified, but ideally, counsel would be able to search and identify if there are further assets. Not exactly sure how attorneys are able to search and see if there's other assets. Uh, there are certainly companies that can do searches like that, and you might have to engage someone like that for that purpose. Uh, but the question uh, that was posed was, what is the most expedient way for next of kin to be appointed as administrator of the estate for someone deceased? Well, there's only one way, and that is to file a petition for probate, presumably in Los Angeles, if that's where this person's father lived, uh, and that would be in the Los Angeles County Probate Court. There are many, many attorneys in Los Angeles that could assist. Uh, if this person came to me, I would likely refer them to estateplanning.com, which is the consumer portal for wealth counsel, uh, the National Association of Estate Planning Attorneys that I have belonged to for about 13 years. Uh, you could go there, search by city in states and find estate planning attorneys and go look at their websites and find out if they actually do probate administration. Um, I do probate administration myself here. Um, pretty much only probates in Santa Clara County and uh, and also in uh, San Mateo County. Uh, I don't do them in any other Bay Area counties. In this case, a petition for probate would need to be filed, set for hearing, and, uh, and then everybody who would be, uh, in this case, an intestate heir of the father would have to be notified 
There would have to be notice published in a legal newspaper that posts or a paper that uh, publishes legal notices in the county where the person lived uh, and then passed away. And you just have to wait for the uh, court date to come around. And then if the order for probate is signed by the judge, then that means letters of administration can be issued and uh, this person could take over as administrator and start the probate administration. I'm not sure how long it's taking down in Los Angeles County right now. Uh, Several months to get into court is my understanding. Uh, Even here in Santa Clara County, uh, it's taking longer than it used to. Uh, It used to take about uh, roughly four to six weeks. I think it's maybe taking closer to three months now. But that's pretty much what that person would need to do. Okay. All right, here, out of Santa Rosa, California. Uh, This is another one that uh, came in from yesterday. Um, Okay, can trustees for a California first-party self-funded special needs trust sell my house without telling me? Let me explain what a first-party special needs trust is. There are people who are receiving government assistance because of a disability. That could be SSI for income. It could be Medi-Cal for health insurance. It could also be Section 8 housing for a place to live. Uh, All of those things are needs-based. But if someone, for example, inherits a large sum of money or a bunch of property, uh, they could end up losing all of those benefits because they now have money and or assets. A first party special needs trust is one that is set up by a person who is disabled but not incapacitated mentally. Uh, They can actually set up this trust Uh, It used to be you had to go through court to do it, but now you can just set it up. Uh, You can transfer your property into that trust, and then you have to have somebody else as a trustee handling it for you. You can't be the trustee. And then the trust has to have, there's a requirement in order to not lose your current benefits. There's a requirement that this trust pay back the government first for any money spent on your behalf after you've died. Um, And then anything that's left over can be distributed to whomever you've designated as the beneficiaries of your trust. In this case, the person said, the trustees of my trust, who are um, my siblings, list my house for sale without telling me, hiring their daughter as the realtor. I only found out when a friend saw the listing video on social media. The trust gives them broad powers to sell and invest. Well, I'll tell you. First of all, I would ask, is this person living in their house? If they're living in their house, um, that just makes this worse. Uh, This person is still the beneficiary of this trust. It is a special needs trust. And, uh, and if this is a house that was owned a long time by the person, 
uh, selling it could actually trigger capital gains tax for the trust. And then the trust would have to pay income tax at much higher effective rates because trust income is taxed in higher tax brackets uh, at lower levels of income. So this is this is potentially a mess. I would argue that the trustees had no business listing the home for sale without consulting with the beneficiary, who's the person whose property is actually in that trust and intended to be there to take care of them or supplement whatever benefits they're receiving. It's very possible that even though they have the power to to sell the property, they're also charged with acting in the best interest of the beneficiary, um, which means they may actually be acting contrary to this beneficiary's interest. Uh, if this person came to me, I would immediately refer them to litigation counsel to contact the sibling trustees and tell them they need to knock that off um, and, and maybe even go to court and have them removed as trustees and replaced by someone apparently who would be more trustworthy than this person's own siblings. And that's that's kind of what I would do. Apologize for that. I um, I have a uh, had my phone still had the ringer of my phone on and as you well know uh, sometimes that means that things uh, go off when you don't want them to. <laughs> okay. Hey, out of San Diego, here's uh, here's another one out of San Diego, um, and this one I think uh, I think we're coming up on uh, pretty quickly here on the end of this third segment today. Uh, Let me see. Yeah, we have about a minute to go, so I'm just going to pose the situation. Then when we come back after the break, I'm going to do an analysis of it. It says, my partner and I are moving into my parents' second property that they've had since the 1990s. The house is under my dad's name. He's still alive and healthy. He'd like to add my name to the house or transfer ownership to me as soon as we move in. He's worried the property tax will skyrocket. Is there any way around this, such as a living trust? Well, stay tuned until after the final break today for my discussion and analysis of this question coming out of San Diego. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and stay tuned for the final segment of Plan Your Estate Radio coming up after these brief commercial announcements. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. And welcome back. Before the break, I posed a situation of um, a a person and his or her partner moving into uh, a second property owned by parents um, that the parents have had since the 1990s. Uh, It says the house is under the person's father's name and the father wanted to add uh, the son or daughter's name to the house or transfer ownership as soon as um, they uh, as soon as this person and their partner moved in. And the concern was the property tax will skyrocket. 
And I will tell you right now, that is a valid concern, a seriously valid concern. By the information provided, it's the parent's second property, meaning not the parent's residence. That means that even if the parents don't rent it out, it's considered under Proposition 19, which was passed by the voters about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and is now the law here in California. That would be considered a rental property of the parents. If they were to add um, their child's name to the house title, then the percentage ownership uh, reflected by that child's name being added, that percentage of the value of the property would be reassessed and the property taxes would go up. And if they just transferred ownership of the house to the child, just 100% ownership, there would be a 100% reassessment. And this is because um, it is not the parent's primary residence that the child is moving into and occupying. It is a second property of the parent that the child would be moving into and occupying. And there's really no way of which I'm aware that you can reasonably figure out how to get around that. Uh, It's a, a major problem with Proposition 19. It overturned Proposition 58 and Proposition 193. Proposition 58, which was passed by about 70% of the voters, more than 70% when it was went into effect, exempts from reassessment most transfers between parents and children of uh, real estate. Um, 100% exclusion for a personal residence, regardless of the value or the assessed value. And then up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property, rental property, uh, commercial properties, vacant land, things like that. Proposition 193 put a similar exemption in place for transfers from grandparents to grandchildren as long as the grandchild's intervening uh, parents were both deceased. That would be the child of the grandparent. Um, or if the child was deceased, that the other parent of that of that grandchild was either deceased or had been divorced from the child of the grandparent, the child that had died, in which case uh, that son or daughter-in-law was not considered to be the child of the grandparent, and you could pass the property from the grandparent to the grandchild and have no reassessment of the property tax. Proposition 19 blew all of that up. And uh, and I would urge all of you out there, if you have a personal residence that's very valuable and you want to be able to pass it on uh, to your child so, so that they can live in there, um, if you have rental property, or especially if you have a business where you own the property that the business is located in, a commercial building, uh, a motel, um, anything like that, even like agricultural land, because you have a farm, for example, 
you want to be um, you want to go look for and find the place where you can sign up to try and push through this law that's in the legislature now that would delay that particular law from taking effect for a couple of years more, giving people a chance to do some additional planning. Um, And maybe we can get another proposition on the ballot to repeal the parts of Proposition 19 that I find ridiculous and very damaging to families, especially since it will mean that many families where they've spent decades building up an investment portfolio of real estate, the families will almost be forced to sell all the real estate after the parents die because the property taxes will shoot through the roof. Uh, And in many cases I've seen already, property taxes could end up going up by four, five hundred, six hundred percent or more over what they were being paid for many, many years. So we're coming up on the end of our show today. Uh, Next week's show will either be pre-recorded by me or else will be a rebroadcast of an earlier show because I will be away on vacation with my family, spending a few days at the happiest place on earth. No, I don't mean Las Vegas. I mean Disneyland and California Adventure. So until I come back uh, on the air the week after that, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I hope you have a great weekend. So goodbye, Bay Area. Talk with you again live in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.